Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show that is brought to you with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Hello, I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanson. Hello. And so is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. If you want the full TSB experience, why not get TSB Plus? You get a full digital sub to the magazine, all our podcasts ad-free, and that includes early access to the match ball, plus our subscriber-only podcast, The Extra Ball, where you'll find the brilliant chat uh, with Bryn Law this week. And last, uh, there's a daily email with all the Essential League United news written by Moscow, and cast your eyes over TSB Plus to get all that, our all-in-one subscription package, at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. It feels like an age ago that Southampton happened, but because of the um, the piss about with the fixtures, we recorded the last main podcast before the Southampton game. So we won three 0 So should we just talk about that one in this uh, in this podcast and pretend that Villa didn't happen because that was hard work. We were bound for Europe, weren't we, for a day or two? The nasty leads, the bad bad boys that Ralph doesn't like. It's quite interesting to chart the uh, the swinging mood because. As we said, we've opened up like to our TSB Plus subscribers. They can get in touch with us and tell us either what we missed, what we should be talking about, that sort of stuff. And it was all generally uplifting in the wake of Southampton. Everyone saying how good it was that people did this. With Tyler's pass for the first goal, I mean, after Villa now, he's getting sold. So yep. We'll never be good enough. We'll never do anything in the Premier League apart from the thing he did, what was it, four days before? Yeah. But consistency is the thing, isn't it, that Bielsa was... Uh, saying was kind of a missed opportunity against Villa. Two wins in a row, that's the target. Never mind Europe. But it is true, isn't it? That's the thing that you miss. It's it's that consistency. It's the uh, the standard of performance and it's all fine and well. As Johnny points out, it says you could have been, made a bit more of Tyler's pass for the first goal. The quality of the pass and the timing of that goal would have really pissed the sinners. Does he mean the Saints there? Is that a little play on words? I think so. And the oh. other thing about it, I mean... I tried to big up Robert's pass on the match ball, but then there was also, um, I think that ignored Bamford's little step over as well, as the, the pass was so perfect that he was able to just sway his legs over it to make sure it was in the right place for him to beat the goalkeeper. It was all, everything about it was beautiful. Although Sazzy did point out that the midfield just doesn't work without Calvin Phillips. and on three now. And <laughs> but no, I, I do know what she means. Uh, we should just accept the fact that there is nobody at Leeds or in the Premier League or probably in the world who could be considered a like-for-like substitution. She says discuss in that way that people do. Discuss? Should we discuss it? No. <laughs> I feel like if we had... I feel like if we just had to... We've got people... To send us your, your questions for us to discuss no. or, or ignore. We'll ignore them. We'll, but, we'll acknowledge them, but then ignore you. I do feel like if we just had more midfielders, we might not find someone who does the exact Calvin Phillips job. But as we saw like when Shackleton was fit, he can do all right in there. Yeah, we don't need someone to do the exact job, do we? Just do a good enough job. Just rearrange it a bit and have 
don't have a, an outright holding midfielder. You have a couple of people dropping off and doing bits of that job. And yeah, we do miss Phillips. And I think we missed him. I don't know, did we miss him against Villa? It's how, I mean, we miss him every game, don't we? He's dead good. I think we did against Villa because Stroke went in there and you didn't do a particularly great job at it. We can Sell only, him, you're um, saying. Sell him. Well, the, the, I mean, the rumours are that Napoli and Leicester are after mm. him, which all very strange. And the thing with playing Jacques Leton and Click in there is that's dependent on us having three at the back, which means the other team has to have two up front, which Aston Villa did not, whereas Southampton did. So that's kind of the, the kick on. But it's interesting with Phillips to look at him, not only how we are when he's not in our team, but how he is when he's playing for England and uh, Gareth Southgate puts him somewhere else and spoils him. I'd wonder whether Phillips could play in that midfield that we had with Click and Shackleton, whether he could do that job now or whether he's just kind of, he's completely programmed into that, that one way of playing but I think he's probably good enough that he can adapt Well Adrian Longdon did flag something up in the wake of this game even though we won what's wrong with Click this year is nothing like the play we've seen in the past two seasons well I think it's a combination do you of tiredness step up in standard because he's facing better players and the fact that he's been missing strength in midfield alongside him he's, he's carrying a lot of the uh, the can himself The Elsa teams do tire don't they? Well <laughs> etc it's, it's, it's an established fact we don't even need to talk about that we know I mean he has he has reason to be tired though does click because he's does a huge amount of running and has done for two years and this is uh, let's call it a dip for now in form because yeah he's not been as good but he's only not been good for like 10 games or something yeah that question of carrying other people as well i mean carrying is probably an unfair word but he is the one in between at the moment tyler roberts and pascal stroik neither of whom are top notch in the positions that they're playing in so he is having to do a lot and even if he just runs and runs and runs and runs he's doing a lot. It's kind of the old um, Bamford argument. Kind of don't worry about the fact that he, he keeps putting the ball six feet wide of the goal. Don't worry about the fact that he isn't scoring from 30 yards, running his ass off and doing a lot to stop the other team playing. I mean, even against Villa, there was only really one team playing football in that game, wasn't there? And they had matches click in their side. Uh, Lee Brown flagged up Costa having a good game against Southampton. I'm sure that mood will prevail in the coming days. Uh, and also flags up Urente making it through the game, um, which was good. Uh, not his debut. Not No, not his debut. We uh, we had that. It was somebody anonymous actually flagged this up via the uh, the feedback. It says it was Urente's first start for us. He came in for an injured cock, Tihi, at Chelsea. Full retraction, please. Well, we, it's not a full retraction. It's a partial retraction because this was not Urente's first start for us because although the Chelsea game that we all had in mind he did come on as a substitute, anonymous TSB plus user is right. He started at Newcastle yep. and came off. So, and you're, so you're wrong. It's funny. And we ignore all the good parts of the point you've made. It's funny because I'd completely forgotten about the Newcastle game as well. And that game is probably the whole reason why there is this whole question about whether Urente can get through a game. It's like that's the origin of the meme. And everybody's going about, well, Urente can't get through a game. Has he ever... Has he ever started one? And the things just don't add up. I don't know if everybody's brain is as poorly as mine seems to be these days, but completely struck from the record, the reason for the joke. But all that's in the past now because he'll never miss another minute of football as long as he lives. Mike Parker asks a question that we can probably answer in a word. Uh, Is the pitch going to withstand the remaining home games, Michael? No. Moscow? Define withstand. That's two words. (laughs) Two words. You've ruined it. Uh, You've used my word there, so we'll we'll move on to the next point. Um, It'll still be there. Yes. For the remainder of the season. We'll play on it. And I don't think the games are going to be called off. It'll do. You know, like, it's not great. And they keep chucking water on it, which seems a bit naive in my book. But, you know, 
I'm not a pitch person, am I? Was the Southampton injury being blamed on the pitch, did I see? His broken ankle? Yes. No. No? His wasn't, but the guy they got from Liverpool. Oh, Minamino, yeah. Yeah, and that's only like a two-week thing, plus every Liverpool player is being injured at the moment, so I don't think you can blame that on our pitch. But yeah, Hassan Hootl was trying to have a little moan about him um, injuring himself on our beautiful lush grass. Not even ours. Tottenham's taken yeah. up with uh, with them. Borrowed it. It's the Jack Clark of grass. So really, it's a Liverpool player getting injured on Tottenham's pitch. So what it's got little to do to, with Liverpool, Leeds with and Southampton is beyond no. me. What are you talking about? Uh, Matt has um, flagged this up. Says, uh, did you notice the tattoo on Rafinha's left arm on the high-res photo of him with his shirt off? Looks like an interesting image of a prison scene or something. Prison tattoos. Michael, your speciality. So. <laughs> I don't think it's a prison tattoo. I mean, there's a kid looking through a fence but unless he's watching people play football in a prison yard, which seems it seems an odd scene, but it's maybe hard to maybe, say. maybe Rafinha has seen Pele's appearance in Escapes of Victory. Really liked it. Could be that, and it's a tribute it's to not, that. It's not a very high looking fence either. It looks like a, a the kid himself could probably jump over it. Yeah. So, yeah, and then above that, there's somebody looks like they're either break dancing or doing an overhead kick in some kind of empty room. They are breakdancing, I think. They're definitely, because that's not a ball. I think that's a door handle because there's definitely mm. a door in the background. So they've probably seen the video to run DMC and Jason Nevins. It's like that. You know, where they're all doing that, mm. those, those fancy moves, head spins and so on. I think we've got to the bottom of that. It's not a prison tattoo, is it? I don't think so. Time wasting. Let's very quickly just rattle through this because... Um, as we don't want to waste any time on it. Hey, hey. LUFC Scott uh, asked you, Michael, you are now our resident timekeeper, it seems. You've been sort of defaulting into this role. I mean, I was asked again after the Villa game to top their time wasted, and do you know what? Couldn't be asked. Yeah. Um, but I did I mean, do I mean, it. This is, this is Michael to a T. Gets involved in something and then just loses all interest, doesn't <laughs> see it through. That Villa game was not interesting the first time round, was it? I thought, I watched the. I don't mind watching the last half an hour of the Southampton game because that was good, because we scored some goals in it and played some nice football, and it'll be a pleasure to watch that again. But compared to the Wolves game, there was actually slightly less football played than in the the remaining 34 minutes of the Wolves game, but mainly we killed time by scoring two goals, which is fine. Like That was a couple of minutes on each occasion. And other than that, when the ball was in their control and out of play versus in our control and out of play, they actually spent longer than us. And the the biggest stoppages other than the goals were for... Romeo being injured, going down the first time and then being substituted, which he did actually. He was on his way off the pitch, wasn't he? And then decided to lay down on it again. He did have a broken ankle, like as it turns out. So, um, all right. Felt like he milked it though, didn't it, Michael? He yeah. was not, he was near the edge though. Just roll. What, what I like I'm is, saying. I like how we're becoming the arbiters for what's acceptable in football. Our football club is so pure. Leeds United, you know, we, we're head to toe dressed in white, you know, the purest of the pure. And our football is pure. Our manager is pure. Our fans are pure. And yeah. we are now setting new standards for the game as a whole, and I like that. So yeah, the, in short, we are good winners, and Wolves are bad winners. So that's that's that settled. Let's um, dive into the propaganda from this game then. This first clip's from Dean Hammond, which was pre-game actually, which we don't often delve into on this, but this is via Saints Live, which is, as far as I can tell, Southampton's official club thing that they seem to put out. It's, like, it's just some, some people talking about the game coming up, um, and this was uh, Dean Hammond's take on on the bench they had and how they were going to win this game. It's a very, very strong bench. And I think that could be some of the thinking behind the manager. If you, if you, if you look at Leeds and the way they play, I think one weakness they have is they fatigue during a game. You know, the last 15 to 20 minutes, they do tire because of the intensity they play at. It's not true, is it? No, it's not, Dean. It's not at all. In fact, you can quite easily 
find that stat out, the metrics, the breakdowns for when we perform best and score most of our goals. Turns out it's late on in the second half, isn't it? And and we did in this game as well. I don't know if Dean was watching closely, but... He, he would have seen that with his eyes. Dean has a very detailed personal life section on his Wikipedia page that says that unlike many professional footballers, Hammond does not often buy extravagant things with his wages, though he has bought a new car. In his life, it sounds like, in his entire... That's on his Wikipedia. Mm. During his early Brighton and Hove Albion career, Hammond lived in a four-bedroom house in Hastings. Is this written by his wife? Hammond began dating his then 19-year-old girlfriend, Rachel, who studied property surveying at Oxford Brooks University. (laughs) Rachel's written this, hasn't she? They were married and together the couple have three children. Um, I'm surprised they say three wonderful... Beautiful children. A daughter, son. Uh, their first son, however, was uh, diagnosed with meningitis when he was just three weeks old. But as far as I can tell, has uh, has made a full and happy recovery. There's a lot of information. That even the start of it, I missed off. Growing up, Hammond revealed that his ambition was to become a professional footballer, stating that he wanted to play as best he could and at the highest level. I mean, what a maverick for a footballer. <laughs> you don't want to just be a mediocre footballer. And then let's have a look. 130 games for Brighton. 50 for Colchester, 120 for Southampton, back to Brighton on loan, 42 for Leicester. You're in his his Wikipedia there, Moscow, so you probably can't play this quiz, but what position did he play? Dean Hammond, I'm going to say he was a fullback. I don't know, actually, because I'm not on that bit. I'm on the bit where it says that he went to play for Worthing in 2020 and made no appearances. I can't remember him. That many games you think you might? Oh, actually, it's it's very, um, it's exactly what you'd expect, midfielder. Fucking ge- yeah, he's Did, just a he, he general was, footballer. It's surprising he? Neil Warnock didn't sign him for us, actually. He'd have fitted in well in that Tong Norris. He would have Green. been a, a deep lying midfielder, wouldn't he, where he'd just sat there and destroyed things, probably. Do you have a look at his, uh, his honours with Southampton? No. Football League trophy winners 2010. The JPT. Well, he fulfilled his ambition then, didn't he, to play at the top level? Related articles, Dan Harding. We don't have the time. Right, what's the next clip? <laughs> this is him after the, um, after the game, and Moscow did say that they'd find a way of convincing themselves it was a penalty. And sure enough, here's Dean. You know, Vestergaard probably should have done better with his header early on, which changes the game. You know, Southampton go ahead, it makes it a different game. So that's an opportunity not taken. Um, Nathan Teller first half, what I thought was excellent. You know, the penalty, which is a decision that's 50-50, I think, can be given either way. Um, the disallowed goal, again, 50-50 again. I think the referee's probably just about got it right, but again, a decision that's gone against the Southampton. And then the beginning of the second half, Southampton were on top. And then just from a moment of poor defending, I'd say, from poor positional play through the two centre-halves, Leeds get um, in on goal, Bamford finishes, and it just completely changes the game. Leeds then are in the ascendancy, their confidence grow, they're playing out front, they're committing bodies forward and score two more goals. So, yeah, disappointing result in the end. Very, very frustrating. I mean, that's got a touch of the like Walter Mitty's about it, hasn't it? It's kind of a, oh, if I'd passed my exams, I'd have gone on to university. And then, of course, I would have got a first-class honours degree in, in science, become a, a research scientist and found a cure for cancer. I mean, that bit when they were on top in the second half, our goal, just double-check, it scored in the 47th minute. So the bit when they were on top in the second half can have been at most two minutes. And there were not shades in the uh, the two refereeing dis- decisions where, you know, it could have gone either way. It, just about right, we were saying about the second one. The referee's just about got it right. It's a completely binary decision. Had he blown the whistle or not? Well, he blown a bit, a bit of the whistle, 
Maybe just about it. It done the double. You hadn't the, the, Yeah, it's it was either yes or no, and it was no goal. And there's no reason for going around going. Well, maybe if it it just the ball was part way in, it was just a little. No, you don't get a goal. Also, convincing themselves it was a penalty were Mike and Jack, who are on Match Day vlogs on YouTube. These, I don't think it's an exclusively Southampton channel, but these two are both Southampton fans. And they're watching the game. Insane. Insane. How, how anyone can tell me that that was clear and obvious enough for him to change his decision, you're lying. I'm not, I, I'm telling you now, I'm not 100% sure. Unless he thinks he's tripped over his own foot. Yeah, that, look, that, that's, that, that angle there was the only one to me that says he tripped over himself and then he hit his, it looks like he hit, he tripped, he hit the floor, then hit yeah. his leg. I think we should have a night out with Mike and Jack. They sound like crazy guys. The thing is, he's saying, you can't tell me that he's, there's enough to overturn it. Then the other guy goes, yeah, you can see he hits the floor and then he hits his leg. So that's that's not the way around fouls work, is it? No. Something different happened to what the referee thought had happened. <laughs> Therefore, he changed the decision. <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, it was his debut. I didn't realise this about Teller. It was the first time he'd, he'd played for them, as far as I could tell. So I don't know why they're so hit up about it. He's barely theirs. And they're also annoyed about the disallowed goal. They seem insistent that the referee doesn't have to blow his whistle. But I think what they're missing here is if the referee has said, wait until I blow my whistle, the players do have to wait. Go on! Hey! What? What? He doesn't have to blow his whistle. He does he not have, have to blow, to blow the whistle. whistle. He doesn't have to blow the whistle. We don't have to wait for the whistle. I don't care if you're not ready, Andre Mariner. Well, once again, the referees are rubbish. Once again, we're being let down. Best league in the world, and they don't know their own rules. Yeah. I mean, that shows a, a basic misunderstanding of how refereeing works, because if the referee, who is like the arbiter, the, the judge, the, the person in charge of the game, says, wait until I blow my whistle, because the, the whistle is traditionally, I don't know if you know, and we're getting into sort of really granular territory here, the sort of Michael's coaching level stuff. That is generally the, the signal, the whistle, for you to start the game. It's maybe not the greatest week to be talking about this, given what happened in the Brighton game, where he went, Take it. No, stop. Hang on. But the difference with Can that you is check that on the VAR to see if I did blow the, the whistle. The difference with that is that the whistle is the restart of the game. He just lost his head on that, in that moment, didn't yeah. he, Mason? Whereas this was really quite clear, not not difficult to understand at all. And it's all part of the understanding of the game. It's a little bit like the hundred meter dash, where they're saying you you don't have to wait <laughs> as, for the starter to be ready, as it's known in the Olympics. You don't have to wait for the starter to be a ready. Real, a real good dasher, like you've seen. <laughs> oh dear me. Anyway, it wasn't a goal. wasn't no. a goal. Bamford's was, though, and this was this is nice because the Bamford goal comes just off the back of them talking up how good Hassan Hootl's half-time team talk will have been. I can imagine Ralph's half-time was pretty fiery. Yeah, he's going to be wanting it a lot better in the second half. Yeah, he's going to... He just, he just oh, no! Ooh! How has this happened? How has this happened? We've literally just gone back from a goal kick and it's in. And it's in our goal. <sighs> how have they not picked him up? Flipping it. I just don't understand how it's going in. Like, who's not doing their job? Oh, fair play. It's a great goal. Real- in reality, that's just a fantastic finish by Bamford. You know, he's got it through Vestergaard's legs. Oh, he's on as well. He's onside. Oh. I think I spoke about that on the match ball, actually, when I said it kind of knackered their halftime team talk. But the Schadenfreude levels there are great, aren't they? Because they're just they're talking themselves into believing that the second half will be better because Ralph's going to really have given him a rocket at half. T- oh. And I get well. I guess maybe they they knew what Dean Hammond knew that they were on top for the start of that half. Well, that that raises the other point about that 
that minute and a half that they were on top for most of that time, we were looking at a replay. So you don't even know what was happening. And they suffered the same thing we did, where the, the camera just cut to Bamford rolling the ball into the net. You've no idea what happened. That was the best part of the game for them. <laughs> what, that replay? The bit, well, the, <laughs> just what, mask, the, what the replay the was masking, yeah. <laughs> oh, good fun. Um, it's easier to laugh at the opposition fans when we win. Not so easy when we lose. We do need to mention Villa. And uh, back to the TSB mailbag, uh, TSB plus mailbag, sorry. What should we talk about? Well, Declan Gray brought up a few points. A bit greedy, Declan, bringing up three, but we'll go through them. Number one, Villa are fast becoming a scum in a Chelsea. Discuss. No, they're not. Nah. They're not at all. As we've said in recent weeks, it's just because we've run in fairly parallel paths to them recently, I think. That's all. And Grealish is a bit of a dickhead, and John Terry's a bit of a dickhead, and that's about it, isn't it? But Villa aren't any good. That's the main difference. They're fine, aren't they? They're a mid-table Premier League team. As are we. Fine. But we're not. We don't have any great history with them. We don't have any great future with them. I wouldn't have thought we'll be probably kicking around together in mid-table for a bit. But honestly, who cares? It's just internet bollocks. They're isn't annoying. It? Yeah, it's just well, it's just it's just people needling each other on on Twitter. Like in the wake of us losing this, didn't go on Twitter, didn't see any of it. Grealish on there within ten minutes. I know he wasn't playing, but still. But it goes to show how much it gets to him, which I like actually. I like the fact that he felt the need to try and rub it in. He needs to kind of just in those situations clear his head, maybe. Go out for a long drive or so. Oh, no, we can't do that, can he? A walk. Maybe a, a long walk yeah. to get a taxi. Off a short pier. Get a, get a taxi. Love some steam, maybe with someone popping around to his house. Uh, point two that Declan brought up was Pablo. Are his stats in training working against him in terms of lack of game time? Or has he fallen out with Bielsa? I don't think he's fallen out with him. I just don't think Bielsa gives any particular love to anybody. And maybe his stats in training are working against him, but we're not going to know that, are we? He still gets on and plays. If it looks like he can help, he comes on. If it doesn't look like he can help, he stays on the bench and um, it was a game he did come on so he gave him a go and it didn't really work out but then Villa was so defensive and horrible and ugly and cynical that um, the beauty of Pablo Hernandez was only going to be able to do so much in that situation anyway. Who will be out the door asks Declan uh, come the beginning of next season considering Phil is saying that um, they'll be likely to be five new arrivals. Well, if, What does Phil know? Well if we work on the basis of, of five arrivals who's going to be going? Um, we probably don't need to get rid of five though do we because we've mainly got children on the bench at the moment depends on how we're trying to level up though and like you know the, the question mark over Tyler Roberts is he making progress is he making enough progress is it fast enough depends on the week that's true yeah I mean that's it I think kind of trying to make any of those kind of judgments after this game is sort of impossible because Villa ruined it stole a goal after five minutes and then just sat back and were dicks and as much as we beat our heads against their, their brick wall and couldn't get through. I mean, Rafinha is our best player and couldn't score past them. And I think to kind of make any decisions on whether players have a future based on that, I kind of just scrub the whole thing, decide Villa are horrible and say nothing. It taught us nothing new about Leeds United no. in that game because we barely got to show ourselves. Uh, in terms of people leaving, I think you can just look at, at contract statuses really, can't you, to get a good handle on that. Pablo, I think, is obviously going to go. Alioski very quickly ticking down. You would have thought that one would have been done by now, maybe, if he was going to stay, particularly around talk of, uh, of a new left-back. Berardi's Berardi. out. Yeah, you'd have to think there are question marks over Roberts because Bielsa, well, very publicly challenged him, didn't he? Laid down the, the challenge to say, now's the time to cement your place rather than just being somebody who comes on off the bench. I wonder if people like Roberts and Costa will end up in the Barry Douglas situation of this season where we're not maybe actively, desperately trying to get rid of them and sticking them in the reserves or anything. But it's like, well, if someone comes in, 
maybe we'll listen to an offer. Yeah. I can see I can see Costa going, to be honest. Yeah, Rafinha was kind of an extra, wasn't he? Because we were looking for cuisance, and then that fell through, and Rafinha wasn't expected to be available, so we went and grabbed him, and that has meant we've had a sort of a winger too many in the squad with um, Ian Perveda kind of stepping up before he got injured as well. Um, so there is some chaff maybe can be loosened. Do you loosen chaff? <laughs> I was just thinking when you know. said that. You loosen Whatever. some chaff and then get rid of it, don't you? Yeah, I think you so. You separate it, don't you? But I'm not sure how. Yeah, you separate it from <laughs> the wheat. It's a loosening process, I think. So when you're at the Weetabix factory <laughs> and then you don't need the chaff. So, yeah, if somebody came in for um, Paul Costa, Chaff the Bix. Or... <laughs> If somebody comes in for Rafinha, we may need Helder Costa. So it's uh, it's it's one or the other. And um, maybe a goalkeeper, one of the goalkeepers could leave and you know which one I mean. Yeah. I don't think anyone would be sorry to see that happen, would they? If we pay him up for a year, get rid of him, fine. Rafinha actually there gets mentioned. A few people, Mike Parker mentioned Rafinha, asking him what's with his shots. Well, I'm going to invoke the old prison tattoos thing here and say, if he's as good as he appears to be, he can do what he wants with his ink and with his shots. Get him a pair of... Um... Early nineties specials made a nice a nice Mel Sterland big thigh on show. The message of Anthony very much indicates what a Leeds fan's mentality is like. He's concerned that Rafinha is too good. <laughs> well, Roger said as well that how productive overall is Rafinha, and people saying how he's grown and thinks the rest of the team are shrinking. People like Harrison and Click not as good, but I don't think we can think like that, can we? No, not at all. And what well, the idea as well is that if Rafinha is pulling out all this mad shit in training. And Jackie Harrison seems to be a bit of a sponge when it comes to learning and his dedication to his job, picks up some of these techniques and thinks, oh, Rafinha does that, that might work for me as well. We did mention it on the match ball that uh, there were points when some of the players were watching him, not quite sure where he was going to go, what he was going to do. So there's probably a a factor of that. And um, I think we did mention at one point that I keep saying that he has good first halves and then the second half in a game, especially against Villa, and it probably is true. There was the times in the in the first half, several times he had us purring at the way he was tricking his way into the penalty area. And then in the second half, when it got really difficult and we needed to to do that, um, he didn't really do anything. And he didn't score that bloody header at the end, did he? No. So rubbish. He did score a goal sold. right at the end of Southampton as well. How Ro- that Southampton game, he laid on loads of chances as well. He kept just beating men and crossing into the box and so it's Bamford that we need to sell hey, speaking of Bamford Howard Roberts is asking he says uh, are Watkins and Bamford competing for a space in the England squad if so who impressed the watching Gareth Southgate the most both were kept very quiet neither of them I'd say Leeds born Stuart Dallas is going to be right up there at the minute he's in fine form so watch out for that I mean based on the other night yeah, I can't remember either of them particularly having a touch Southgate was at the Wolves game as well, watching Bamford. So Southgate needs to stop going to our games because I think his presence is. I think he is them. a bit of a he's a bit of a curse, isn't he? Actually, mm. we need to do some. Well, he used to fact, score against us all the time when he played for Villa. I was going to say we could do some research into that, but could you do it instead? Because we can't be asked. Is that fine? Uh, I think somebody, so. Yeah, just have a look, see what he's turned up to, and we'll we'll mention it and probably give you credit. Propaganda then from Villa. What are they talking about? Diving, weirdly, um, yeah. and Yorente. They do have a point on this, and we covered it at the time. We said he will be told to stop doing that, um, but this was their take on it anyway. I want to talk about Laurenti. Laurenti rolling across the turf, honestly, is the saddest thing that I've had to experience in a long time. The rolling around, like that, that's not what somebody does when they're genuinely hurt. Like, imagine breaking your leg and rolling around over the top of it for, for 20 seconds. If, if you're trying to pretend like you're hurt, then like do it better like that's that's not how somebody acts when they're actually hurt so i don't know how this has come into some people's games it's like 
sometimes Jack Grealish just doesn't exist to Villa fans. He's their uh-huh. favourite player, the best thing they've had in years, and they just ignore him when it comes to this. I mean, yeah, what Llorente did was shit, and we were all embarrassed by it, weren't we? But you kind of you turn a blind eye to it because he's your own player, fine. But at least we're, we're having the good grace to say, come on, let's stop that now, Diego. We don't do, we don't need to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to say we don't do that over here, but there is a certain truth in that. Is that we can't do we, it in Bielsa's team? Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to see that. But Villa lads, come on, come on. He's your captain. Yeah, and and he does this all, have, all the time. You have posters of him. He's the most foul player statistically ever, more or less. And that's not because he's the best player ever. It's mm. because he likes rolling around yeah. for a long period of time. Villa fans are completely blind to this. It's in the same way that Palace fans don't acknowledge the fact that Zaha likes to go down easily as well. Like it will be, they go absolutely mental if it is even suggested. Just maybe have a little watch more closely the, of him. The, the, I know th- you like him. I understand that. I, I do understand. The thing it. is, it always it always turns into this what aboutery, and we've we've just done it to a certain extent. But we're doing our what aboutery and saying, look, yes, he does look like a twat doing that, and yes, Bamford has in the past gone down a little bit too easily when when touched, and the whole uh, going down against Villa was embarrassing first time around, but he got called out for it as well. And the fact Luke Ayling does it, and it is basically a joke, people are sort of admire it because it's funny. But no one is saying Luke Ayling is being fouled in these situations. People are saying Luke Ayling has done his dive there. He's won a free kick and he doesn't roll around and scream Jack Grealish style. I mean, how often has Jack Grealish gone down as if he's seriously injured and how often has he actually been seriously injured? The first one, lots of time. The second time, not often enough in my book. And, and you know what he gets away with? He gets away with what is essentially better acting. Like, Llorente was so incensed by the, the fallout from it afterwards that he jumped straight to his feet and forgot about his quote-unquote pain. Grealish just does it in a more subtle way. He'll go down and roll around and, you know, they, they'll hold the ankle, they'll check for the pretend blood, all that bullshit that we've seen footballers do thousands of times. And he just acts it out better. In um, the longer clip, they did basically say that. They said, if you're going to pretend you're injured, you need to do a better job than this. Which is a sort of tacit acknowledgement of Grealish's skill set. I would also, we mentioned Bamford there in his dive against Aston Villa that always gets brought up. But what doesn't get brought up is the fact that he stood strong and firm when Conor Hurahain punched him in the stomach in this exactly the same incident. It's never been clear because it's always been cobbled together from the replays whether that happened before he dived and got El Ghazi sent off or afterwards. And I wonder if it was, he took that punch in the uh, solar plexus and then when El Ghazi came to him, he's like, right, I'm fed up with being punched. I am going to go down here and get one of these people sent off because if they're just going to keep hitting me. And the thing about the hurricane punch, I can't remember who it was, but somebody walked over in front of the referee's sightline. It was like a proper fucking school playground thing to make sure the teacher can't see what's happening. Wait till the guards are out there. Around the corner. Opening the big Parker wide so that they can't see their uh, little rabbit punch to, to Bamford. So, um, so no. <laughs> <laughs> do we have some more hot takes on it? Uh, we do. This is from Claret and Blue. This is a, a Villa podcast and YouTube channel. That was pathetic, wasn't it? If that was Grealish for Villa doing that, can you imagine what the Leeds fans would have been like? As we said, yes, we would have mentioned it. Yeah, I'm- but... We're mentioning that as well and saying that's pathetic. But they would not have mentioned it. So we're better than you. Correct. But at least, we, have we got some semblance of normality with the Villa view, is it? there? The fairest summary? I'd say this is probably the fairest. I don't know why there's so many like um, Irish Villa fans, but this is another guy. But he, Paul McGrath. True enough. That's Glenn Steve, Whelan. Steve Staunton. Yeah. And Andy Townsend with his uh, thick Irish <laughs> accent. But the Villa view, they, they kind of... I think he probably gives us a view of the game that I can pretty much agree with. Tony Cascarino. <laughs> Ray Houghton. Like, statistics-wise and everything, we had no right to win that game. What, all we did was 
we had one fortuitous moment. We took it and, uh, you know, Leeds were a bit blunt in attack, but we were every bit the measure of them with the likes in the camber in, in the middle of midfield. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's a game that we've seen a few times maybe this season where Villa have managed to get themselves ahead 1-0. I'm quite happy to just sit there and say to the opposition, come on then, let's see what you've got. I do think the pitch probably played a part in, in Leeds coming forward. He definitely played a part in us going forward as well. But I felt like we were quite comfortable. I don't remember really Martinez having to make a save. He came, came and dealt with a few crosses, set pieces. I mean, he's excellent at doing that, catches everything. But Leeds never really put us under any massive pressure. Stephen Island. We spoke about Llorente there and Phil's done a big piece on him this week for The Athletic and not to mention the star of recent weeks, Rafinha. Is he the best value Premier League signing of the season, do you reckon? Ever. Pound for pound, he can't be far off, can he? Pound for pound, do you want to run me through what that means again? I don't know, it just sounds dead clever. Anyway, it's one year since Alan Rowe was last full and we are going to be talking about that on the podcast, The Phil Hay Show this week and Phil's doing a bit on it this week too you can sign up for The Athletic at theathletic.com forward slash the square ball and get it for a pound a month at the minute theathletic.com forward slash the square ball it's been an absolutely terrible year in terms of losing our legends and Peter Lorimer now um, very unwell in a hospice battling um, a long-term illness as the as the press release said so they're asking asking for privacy so it's obviously going to be a, just a really difficult time um, the coming months for his family yeah, and all we can do at the moment is um, send our best. It's kind of that in-between moment, and you can understand there were a lot of rumours going around um, the internet, which I think is why the, the statement needed to be made. But it's kind of, it's um, it's up to Peter and his family to, to get through the coming weeks and months, and then we'll know more when there's more to know. What we do know is that um, Bielsa is staying. Pretty much. He more or less said that, didn't he, the other week ahead of the, uh, in, the in the press conference. So that's good. Unless Moscow, you're looking unsure. Well, he did leave the option open, didn't he? That the next we need to see how the rest of the season goes before making any snap decisions on whether we want Marco Bielsa to to stay for next season. What if there is somebody better? What if we do lose every game between now and the I mean, end of the season? You're right, Moscow. Somebody, what if, somebody may turn up who can talk the Queen's English, and that may look like a better option in the eyes of some pundits, or somebody who uh, doesn't pretend not to. That was that's the. The, ah, the real flavour yeah. of that that I always enjoy on Twitter whenever um, um, I think there was some clip of him whispering to his his translator or saying something in English and it was immediately seized upon people say see yeah, it's like, but it's not difficult to understand is it he just doesn't want to be misconstrued in interviews he's hiding it yeah. he's, he's gone to all the trouble of learning to speak perfect English as if he was born here and lived here his entire life he just pretends because He's devious. And there's really, there's yeah. absolutely no yeah. reason why it's that like, would be the case. You know, you're abroad and you might ask for the bill in Spanish or something. La cuenta, por favor. Exactly. But it's like then the waiter coming in and smacking you around the head with the English menu and saying, give me that menu. You could have read the fucking Spanish one. If you want egg and chips, just fucking ask for it. <laughs> Obviously, you don't, you don't go anywhere where they don't speak English. We, we might also burn out. I mean, why would we want another year of a manager who can't keep the team fit until the middle of May? We all know that. Admittedly, yeah. Jurgen Klopp hasn't managed to get his team fit into fucking November. But... We're looking at the uh, the other side of things to see how we go. The truth, though, is it's 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 good having him around, isn't it? And it's good for the bloody Premier League as well. So just stop being dickheads about it and leave him alone. Leave him alone. It did all kind of come from sort of unnecessary conversations because I think Rad Ritani was asked about it on a, a podcast, wasn't he, and said what he always says, which is we have plans in reserve. You know, we always keep an eye out of whether we need something because Marcelo is his own man and he'll he'll make his decision. Uh, but we we hope he stays, and we hope we've 
and he put it the right way. He says, we hope we, we've, we've put everything in place that will make him want to stay. And Bielsa was saying, well, everything is in place. I want to stay. And he said that, um, you know, Leeds United has, and they've put together everything that any top manager in the world could possibly want from any football club, which considering where we were five years ago is fairly incredible. It's all right, isn't it? And he came back to that, that he just doesn't like talking about it until all the information is there and until you can concentrate on it. And the conversation in the summer will, it won't just be, it's not Sam Allardyce where the question is, how much are you going to pay me next year? It will be, what are we doing next year? When we've learned all this from his legal court case, who are we signing? What, who is the, who's on the list? What work will there be at the training ground? What's the progress on the stadium redevelopment? Um, how much are you investing into this? What's my budget going to be? Which players are going out? The whole thing, the whole next 12 months need to be organised and planned. And then Bielsa will sit down and say, right, that is the programme of work we're going to do for next year. And that's why it needs time in the summer. We saw um, after the playoff defeat with um, Victor Orta and Bielsa and the uh, the Sky Lounge with people photo- like photographing <laughs> and filming them through the windows with surrounded by bits of paper and contracts and, and lists of things that they could do. All that needs to be organised. And it's not a good time to be doing that when you've got Chelsea playing coming on Monday or when whoever we're playing next, West Ham. They're all just fucking same. <laughs> Some cockneys are coming and uh, you've well, got them on your mind. We're going, we're going to London. With reference to French football clubs, our feeder club, uh, things are going badly there at Stade René, aren't they? Yep. It was a one-man team, weren't they? Got into the Champions League entirely due to Rafinha. He's left. Now the manager's decided there's no point in him staying either. And it's so. interesting how Rafinha has been cited in the fallout from this and his sale because this guy has said, no one is saying he would have changed everything, but we still have to admit that his departure has hurt this team a lot, whatever you think of the player. And we're being linked with another one of their players now who's um, also being linked with Real Madrid. I think so. We might not get him, Eduardo uh, Camavinga. I think we should buy him just as a demonstration of our power. <laughs> I think we should pay five million pounds for him. <laughs> just put some absolutely derisory bids in for him, just to upset him. Well, they've got the whole TV money problem over there, aren't they? I think um, ITV Digital had the contract, and it's all gone wrong. So sweeping in for a few uh, light TV, <laughs> a few cheapo bargains. I mean, Rafinha was cheap enough, so. We can get a few more out of them. Let's just buy, I mean, how much would it cost to, to actually buy the football club, Stade Rene? That was um, when Lee Chapman played for Newt in the mid-1980s and Robert Maxwell, the owner of Derby, amongst other things, didn't want him to go to Nottingham Forest, tried to buy the entire football club just so he could have Lee Chapman and nobody else could. So maybe we do that. We buy, Radrizzani is always saying he wants to build a network yeah. of European clubs. There's your chance. Start there. Oh, God, imagine if they genuinely became our feeder club, how upset their fans would be after we pinched Rafinha. He likes a badge change as well. Could put, put fish and chips on it. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, Rafinha's face. <laughs> things not looking uh, so good at Nantes either because they've got a new manager and one of our former stars has, uh, has paid the price for this. Never played for us, didn't I? Don't know who he is. That's what happens when someone rings up about him these days. Who? No, no, never. John, no, no. No, no, never, John, never played here. I know a Kevin. Never the two together, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's retired anyway, more or less. Stuck in the reserves, on the scrap heap. It's wild, isn't it, to see this uh, this trajectory followed by some of these um, these players who come, you know, they burst onto the scene, don't they, with such hope. And then you think that it's got to move to, to that fizzy pop club, whatever it is, that energy drink um, distributor. And you think, no. oh, well, you know, given the way that they generally perform in terms of the transfer market, you'd expect them to uh, to, to go on and 
do great things, which he could have done if he'd have come to Leeds, but he never came to Leeds, did he? So it's a shame. Yeah, it was a failed a failed loan move we tried, wasn't it? But yeah, never never quite worked out. He does seem to be kicking around the nightmare situations. Nantes are on their third manager this season, so it hardly seems like the stable environment where a player's going to kind of knuckle down and improve. But yeah, the new manager, Antoine Combois, says to my great regret for Jean-Kevin, he isn't ready. And he won't be tomorrow either because he's so far behind. Because I don't have time, I decided to put an end to it. Has he been shot? <laughs> and after being shot, is he capable of coming back? That's another question. Today he's out of the professional group because I need a tight one. Players 100% ready physically, mentally. It's also a decision I took for him to look at himself. So Kevin Augustan loose. Shot him and bought him a mirror. Under-23s lost 2-0, so that great winning run is over. Little Jimmy Somerville got a red card after 20 minutes. We was robbed. How did you watch this? I paid £3. Did you? Yeah. Because that was confusing to I'm, me. I'm betting you put that on expenses, didn't you? I didn't actually, no. It was, it was at my own account. Really? Um, yeah. Who has expenses? Oh, shit. Well, I buy I, we buy like stuff from Home Bargains sometimes, cans of pop and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why. It was a moment of madness, really, it, truth be told. Was spending. I think it's because I spent basically no money on football this year. I thought, well, Berardi's making a comeback. Let's see how he's getting on. It was it was fun. we played pretty well actually considering we had um yeah little Jimmy sent off after twenty minutes the first one he was sent off for talking back to a referee with the referee basically drawn the line for the wall the wall was stood there Somerville was stood in line with the wall but at the side of it and the ref wanted him to move and he said well your line's there I'm in the right place which he was so the ref booked him for that and then booked him for ah, it's, it didn't look like a second yellow either ref's taking a dislike to him there hasn't he thought, yeah. yeah he's going he seems like he he was a bit mental was the ref in general it must be said he looked like at one point like he might send off like half a dozen people but then he kind of got a grip of himself but we were we were pretty good in this they, they scored the second one towards the end but after they took the lead at the start of the second half we were pretty much had them penned in which considering we played the entire game with 10 men was, was quite impressive and for £3 you did get Mark Bright on co-commentary which was quite nice I've quite enjoyed the under twenty three commentary from for the Leeds games as well when we've been doing it. It just seems a much it's in a much nicer pace than the Premier League somehow. It was nice hearing Mark Bright just talk about some of the players because he obviously knows the Palace ones quite well, so he was able to talk about them a bit. He doesn't know the Leeds ones, but he was kind of praising them where it was due, and it was good. Plus, you heard Mark Jackson on the bench swearing, which, <laughs> and, and Mark Bright apologising <laughs> quite sweetly for it, saying, "I'm really sorry about that," and you can hear going. Fucking hell, ref! Fucking <laughs> swearing like a navvy. Brilliant. <laughs> so that was good, but yeah, the run's over. But we're still going to win the league probably. And Berardi was fine. Got through a half. Looked like he may have given away a penalty at one stage, but I'd... probably the right decision. Well, that was answering the question I was about to ask you. How did he get on? But now you've answered that. Let's move on to um, getting back into the ground before the end of the season. It looks like it's on the cards, all being well. A quarter full, which will be better than empty. Not quite the same. Are you up for going to a game? I'm happy to let some other people go to this one. I'm fine. I'm fine missing it. Yeah, it's all a bit... I don't really see the point. Angus yeah. Kinnear said earlier in the season, didn't he, that having some fans in was a like a administrative nightmare from the club's point of view. They don't make much money off it. And then this has also got... The, and they've got to do all the arrangements of like where people can go and opening up this part. And it's And it's not as easy as just... 9,000 people can go in because how do they get there? Are you going to be running a special bus? Is that where do people park? All this stuff has got to be arranged for one match. Part of me just thinks, because the timelines that were were announced all sounded fine. If this had never been said, if they'd never said you can go into the last game of the season, 
And all they'd said was, we reckon things can start opening up again April, May, June. We reckon this is all going to be sorted before July. And then we'll have a month European Championship finals being held. So they can be kind of big test events. We'll do pre-season friendly test events next season. 100%, no problems. We're there. We start again. Everything's, I would have gone, that's great. But because they've dangled this little, you can have one game just in it. It's just a baby carrot, isn't it? I think it's the fact, kind of the pointless. Fact, the fact that it's a West Brom carrot as well. I mean, you look forward to getting back in the Premier League and then the one game you get to go to is a, a quarter full stadium to play West Brom and you think, we've seen this before. But then again, you will witness as, you know, best our uh, highest ever score against Lynn Oslo, so... But that's the other thing as well, with it being the last game of the season, the idea that the only people are going to turn up at the 9,000 people who can get in, I think, I mean, I had my real mystic <laughs> rose-tinted glasses on at the start, but that was when, um, and I think that there was that sense at the start of like a year ago now when people did say, no, this is going to be very serious and we're going to have to, um, um, everybody will stay home and it'll be fine. But then it all sort of fraying around the edges when people started driving to Barnard Castle and all this kind of stuff happened. So it did then break down to, July, I was like, fuck it, we'll just go and celebrate. And it'll be the same at this, because there is that. there's already that sense, um, as we saw with it being a sunny weekend, where everyone's kind of thinking, well, if it's all going to be all right in June, we may as well do what we want now, because it's February and March. I think you're, what you're likely to I think you're I think people will be mostly respectful of the stadium environment, but I do think we will see a lot of people turn up to the pubs and say, well, even if I can't go in the ground... If you're going, then I'll come with you for a pint yeah. or two. And then suddenly you multiply that 9,000 by maybe two or three because people fancy it. And it's not the fault of anybody who wants to get out. Christ, we all want to get out. Oh, I, I fully understand. Anybody who wants to go, I would like to go. It's all, this, but I just kind of feel the sensible option. And now we're into this thing, well, it's the sporting integrity week. So we have to have the week, we have to move the fixtures from a week before to make sure everybody gets a home game and away game. There's also the financial aspects because it means you know, Leeds don't have to pay back the 9,000 season ticket holders who get into this one game, whereas West Brom still have to read, they don't get the money from that side. And if you can sell VIP packages, and it, it all kind of worked when it was before Christmas when some teams like Chelsea had the crowd in for us and they ruined it by whooping because there was the idea that it was going to build up to the end of the season and we'd all be in by the end of the season and it didn't turn out. I don't really see what the point is with, one game and then it's mm, or maybe, summer. Or maybe this is your test event. No, I don't know. But let's put it this way. If by whatever you know metric they figure this out, whether it's a draw or whatever, and your ticket comes out, you're going to go, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'd go, of course. But equally, I'm happy to just not. I'll just wait. Watching Big Sam make his team finish maybe 19th or 20th in, oh, the, in the Premier League. You're actually you're selling it to be fair. I think like, whether it, what's, the, what's the real appeal in that? Whether it happens as well. Still trying to grind out a nil-nil draw when they've been relegated for six weeks. It's not going to be an awful lot of fun. Whether it happens as well is the other thing that is kind of raised with because it, it feels like the wrong way around of setting this target. Everybody will be in while the pandemic is still going on. It seems like the mistake we've been making for a year. It'd be much easier to say the pandemic's going to be as good as over by summer. So after that, that's when we start doing everything. Whereas saying this kind of thing, well, if this will happen, if, 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 it should be the other way around. Nah, that's no, fun, that's no fun, is it? Well, it's not exactly been a fun year. No, that's <laughs> what we've had for, for most of it. Is we'll, it'll be sorted by autumn, it'll be sorted by Christmas. You'll definitely be in for the last game of the season. It's like, just fucking sort it out and then, <laughs> then give us the treats. And that's the way I, I kind of uh, feel about it. But if it works and it happens and people can go and people can have a nice time, then God, yeah, it'll be better than fucking listening to Andy Hinchcliffe again, won't it? 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Down to London on Monday night. Chelsea, as it were, facing Moscow. We yeah, don't fucking know. <laughs> don't care, do it's we? All, it's all... It's a blur. Yeah. West Ham. They are. They're the same as Chelsea. It's all just Lampard, isn't it? Will we finally exercise the ghost of London? Because that's it's become a thing. It wasn't really a thing, was it? It's become a thing now, and I don't like it. I want us to win in London. I mean, we might win, but it seems West Ham are dead good all of a sudden. This wasn't when we lost to West Ham earlier in the season. We were kind of annoyed because we thought we were they were going to be one of those teams around us in the league, and maybe we should be winning that one at home. But it turns out they're really good. Which was not, are, are not they, in anyone's script. But, but are they though? I still don't know if they are. They just seem to be grinding out a lot of results. They keep winning games. Yeah, well, I mean, that's apparently what <laughs> the league's decided on, so fair play to them. They're very strong at attacking set pieces, attacking down the wings, creating scoring chances, coming back from losing positions, finishing scoring chances, counter-attacks, defending set pieces. They're good at everything, more or less. WhoScored.com, I've never seen anything like it. They've had to completely refine the algorithm just to deal with West Ham. I hope they get into the Champions League. And I hope they spend all the money they get for it on somebody ridiculous like Messi. And then he spends the entire season injured and they get relegated next year. That's that's kind of my hope. Give them this year. They can be good for a while. Well, I, I'd like them to get into the Champions League because they probably would struggle to repeat the feat next year. But it would really mess up some of the bigger, I use the, the term reservedly with air quotes, bigger teams in this division if they didn't get in the Champions League. That's spiteful, and I like it. Well, that's what football's about, isn't it? It's about enjoying the misery of others. If you can't be happy, then no one else can be. It does say something about those um, big six breakaway talks that we had earlier in the season. If Leicester and West Ham are the clubs that are representing us in the the Premier League, obviously City and Scum will be in there as well. But it's yeah, it's just a little uh, a little punch on the nose for the Liverpool and. I mean, where the fuck are Arsenal? They still had the fucking temerity to turn up to those conversations. Yeah, don't they? exactly. Yeah, it's, it's Arsenal, it's Liverpool, it's Chelsea. To see all, the, all those three Spurs, yeah, nowhere near the Champions League would be ace just because it would perhaps make them, just for a little while anyway, question their own entitlement towards that. Big, expensive stadiums hosting shit football. It's much better to get them for free, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Obviously, I have happy memories of the 100 metre dash in this stadium uh, all those years ago. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's not really a football stadium, is it? But thankfully, we don't have to go. So that's one that's one good thing from the pandemic. No one is tempted to go and watch football in a shit stadium. The shopping centre next to it is quite nice. It's well served. 
uh, by transport links in particular. That's okay. that is one bonus to it. There are some nice playgrounds in the surrounding area. Have you seen that? Have you because you went to that concert, didn't you? Was it Guns and Roses? I did. Go, I did see Guns and Roses play there. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was fine. But I won't want to watch football there. It looks badly designed for it. Would you watch Guns and Roses play football there? Uh, no, hmm. no. Just checking. Even if Slash had his top hat on the whole time, like I mean, it was an old game from like. Eighteen <laughs> ninety. I don't know if you've seen the shape of Axel Rose these days. He's not quite the athlete that he was in the, seen uh, the early shape 90s. of Fatty Fulks in there when he was playing football back in the day. I mean, in goal, it will be fine. Axel Rose is is a warning for them from the future, isn't he? Christ, he's had, he's had done some good living. You can't blame the man. Yeah, I don't know if I'd necessarily take Axel Rose as a warning <laughs> for my future. I, I think we've led very different lives. I mean, yeah, I, I do get that. I just meant in terms of you know staying on the straight and narrow rather than living too hard. <laughs> Do you wake up every morning <laughs> hoping you don't fall into the same traps as Axel Rose? And doesn't everyone? <laughs> I don't think eating too many biscuits is was Axel Rose's biggest issue, which is probably mine. So I bet Axel Rose doesn't stand in the queue for Aldi, does he? Christ. Will we win at the London Stadium? Nah, of course we won't. I think we will. No, we daft. No, I think we will. I think there's been a trend this year for reversing defeats from earlier in the season. So I think on that basis alone, on an arbitrary pattern, we will win in our blue and green kit at they, the London Stadium. They don't have a goalkeeper. They're going to have to... Fabianski's injured. Darren Randolph is hurt. So they're going to have to put Ludek McClesko back in. <laughs> were we wearing our blue and green kit when Tony Eboa twatted yes. that volley in yes, we were. against West Ham? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who's going to do that? Patrick Bamford. He's learned to kick it hard this year, actually. R- Rafinha as well will twat a volley in. I think he's, he's, he's the most likely to do that. And then Bam- Bamford will just score from a through ball or, or whatever. I think Carlton Palmer hammered one in in that game as well. So we're looking for um, who's our modern day equivalent of Carlton Palmer. I, I wouldn't wish to no, dis- no. besmirch any of our present. <laughs> I don't think squad. physically there's not been a specimen like him seen since, has there? Poor Pascal Stroik who can play either. He has got quite long legs. <laughs> right, okay. They've got meat on them though in a way that Palmer's never did. So you don't think we'll win? What about you, Moscow? No, I think we'll win. We aren't putting two wins in a row together and rarely... Two defeats, not even checked. We might have done that loads. But I feel we're quite counterintuitive. And yeah, I do, yeah, I do. I agree with that. I think we'll we'll beat this lot. I mean, they've got Chris Dawson playing in there, uh, playing at centre-half for them. He's about four foot nine, and last was at Scarborough, the uh, <laughs> Neil Redfern's little baby. So I don't know if he'll be uh, if he'll be up to much. Great. And Jim Bowen at right wing, obviously, if you're looking purely at that. I mean, it's a bit championship really, with Bowen and Ben Rama potentially in the in their side. Cresswell as well. Um, I mean, Pure Norwich, isn't he? He is an Antonio up front. They don't even really know what to do with him just because he's found a bit of form this season. They've moved him all over, haven't they? He's good though. He's Antonio. I quite, quite like him. Not, I'm not, got, in, not interested, Michael, in your view. <laughs> not unless it reinforces my own. Got, they have Suchek in midfield. Who, if you're talking about slightly lanky, unusual-looking midfielders, except he seems to be quite good for them mm. I can't quite put my finger on why he's good but he always scores and they seem to play well when he plays well even though everything he does looks untidy and horrible and Declan Rice is just there under the um, the agreement that West Ham have with the Football Association that they must always have an England international in their, ty- in their team no matter how bad they are how shocking West Ham are as a club they always just have to have one England international it's the law <laughs> With the world gradually getting back to normal and the weather finally turning towards spring, you might be getting ready to make a move. The early part of the year is traditionally right moves busiest time of the year, and there are more houses on the market at this time of the year, so more choice, and it is a good time to move. 
With Levi Solicitors, you can get an instant no-obligation conveyancing quote on their website. And because you are going through us, you can knock off a further 10%. Uh, Levi's conveyancing teams can deal with house or flat purchases. They cover sales, remortgages, and new build properties too. The team at Levi's are specialists, and they're really proud to offer an outstanding level of service. Um, they know how important your house move is, basically, and they treat it accordingly. Get in touch and get that 10% discount on your conveyancing fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Heroes and Villains is the last part of the podcast. We had some early candidates on the match balls from earlier in the week, um, but now it's time to finalise our choices and to anoint a winner and, uh, I guess, a loser. Uh, first is the Ken Bates Villainy Award, somebody who's done bad buyers in the last seven days. Nominations, please. I'm intrigued to know what Martin Keown's done. You've mentioned him already. I'll get to him in a bit. All right, well, Andy Hinchcliffe, given we, we were just talking about pundits, we, as we said, we weren't blessed with him, but I have heard his work before. So he gets a nomination. He's been nominated by many people from TSB Plus as well. Talk some proper shit, just <laughs> filling dead air. It's probably a, a nice, succinct way of putting what he does. That comes from Gaz. I thought we left him behind in the championship. Well, Why has Andy Hinchcliffe clambered up after us? It's like there's, 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 so much, there's so much commentary, though, isn't mm. there? There's so many games now, though, that it just means they've followed us into the Premier League. It was that risk that Millwall were going to come up behind us in the playoffs, and it's kind of I feel like Andy Hinchcliffe has, has done that. I liked. I did like Charlie's comment, by the way. He said, we've had Andy Hinchcliffe as co-commentator twice in a row. Are we being punished? <laughs> he's right as well, saying he's a specialist at claiming someone should have done better with a decision in a split-second instance when he would have ballooned it over or miskicked it during his terrible career. <laughs> he has unrealistic expectations of players that no one can live up to. And that is true. I mean, there is a special brand of punditry where you they take a still and go, he should have done... We Now we know what happened. The goalkeeper should really have jumped into that top corner because that's where the ball has gone or a striker should have put it in that corner because the defender slid in and blocked it from yeah. there or he should have taken another touch or state, not taken a touch state in the bloody obvious yeah it's oh, actually it, it's the, the the source of your coaching isn't it really when you think about it it's your coaching comes from exactly the same school yeah, with but with zero sincerity whereas <laughs> under Hinchcliffe seems to think um, that people should listen to him yeah Mark Ben Gaz and Daniel all um, nominated Hinchcliffe and Mark Worthington was the one who said he was eulogising Patrick Bamford and the goal saying what a player he's become and then he had that shot you know on his wrong foot that McCarthy saved and he said oh that was a championship finish and he's saying he, he should have done this instead it's like come on you can't have it both ways championship finish is such a an unwarranted cheap shot as well isn't it <laughs> he was playing in the championship a year ago like- championship commentator that's what you are Andy <laughs> <laughs> it takes one to no one, doesn't it? It takes one to no one, exactly. Keown, it's related to co-commentary. I heard a bit in the Leicester-Arsenal game at the weekend. I just feel when you hear it, you could have phrased this a little better because he said, what you want is it's good to have senior pros in and around the young players at the training ground. And I just felt, no, there's, there's a better way to put that, Martin. Don't say that. In and around is a weird bit of football parlance which I have occasionally gone into myself where you say it and you think no not in and around just around (laughs) or just in one or the other who else Teller the diver and probably Lorente too if we're going to be fair no Teller was the source of several Penn and Teller jokes though wasn't he so that's in his favour I feel (laughs) and also while we're on divers uh, Jack Grealish for his tweet just you didn't play I mean, it's a 3-1 aggregate win for Leeds this season, isn't it? So I don't know what he's finding so funny. Tottenham Hotspur, giving us that pitch. John Crossland was um, wondering if it's revenge for Jack Clark. Although Jack Clark seems to be tearing it up for Stoke like a a latter-day Stanley Matthews, doesn't he? So like a 50-year-old Stanley Matthews, I mean. I mean, is that still going, the championship? 
well, Jack Clark's in it. But yeah, so the pitch still isn't right, is it? So it needs to be right. Can we have an argument with some grass? We can but try. Um, do we want to nominate that target person as uh, named by Roger Cope? Rod, rat target. Rat, rat target. Rat target, yep. And Simon Harrow rightly calls me out for moaning, diving and useless. Epitomises Smith Ball, which is fair enough. It was rat target in the first game who Jackie Harrison absolutely had him on toast. And then we had that Villa fan claim that he was brilliant. He wasn't, was that, best wasn't that Cash? Then I take it all back. <laughs> yes, it was. it was Matty Cash. Well, they need to change the names of the fullbacks. You can't have Matty Cash and Matty Target. They just sign lots of players called Matty. Cash and Target sounds like a, a good <laughs> cop show, though. 70s cop show, yeah, yeah. It Speaking would, no, of it would be, um, it's a, what was that Birds of the Feather reboot where they were detectives? Or have I imagined that? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've imagined it. Are you thinking of Cagney and Lacey? Oh, we need to nominate Dean Smith as well. Uh, Mike mentions that Dean Smith is somehow the highest ranked English manager in the Premier League whilst uh, setting up his team like some relic from the George Graham era. Yeah, I think we should take the evidence of one game and him shutting that game down as comprehensive evidence of his shortcomings. Yep. Horrible it, face, horrible human. It's evidence that Bradley they can't says. cope without Grealish. Mm. He uh, was also trying to annoy Luke Ayling down the sideline, which is not the way we do it in this country, yeah. I would say. Yeah, Howard, thank you for um, for that one. And uh, do struggle with his haircut. One of my mates pointed this out. If you look at Dean Smith's hair, it's three haircuts in one and none of them are good. But it's a bit like the outfit he had on the other night as well. I mean, not that I'm one to... Oh, yeah, yeah. It was very, um, it was very like dad at a golf club yeah. sort of vibe to it. It was the it was the gilet over... It was like a a, a jumper with a, a zip-down neck, but it only went down to your chest. It was it? a very rugby union look, is yeah. what I would say, actually, which is... Which was actually closer to the type of sport they were trying to play, wasn't it, really? Hey, hey. On that pitch. Um, who else nominations? Crystal Palace. Yep. They made me pay £3 just to watch 45 minutes of Gatano Barardi playing on what appeared to be a building site. It had all like, that construction site fencing around the pitch. It looked very shoddy. Mm. Was it Selhurst Park? Hey, it wasn't. Or was it elsewhere? It was elsewhere. Genuine question. No, it was elsewhere. It was, yeah. in a, it was a field somewhere. Any more then? We've got a mention for the big six, actually, assuming they can have Rafinha. You're not having him. Leave us alone. Although we've had suggestions we just sell him because he's making the rest of the team bad. That's so true, yeah. maybe they can have him. Have we got a, a villain of the week then? Hinchcliffe was probably the most most nominated, I would have to say, which mm. is quite an achievement in a week when we've faced Dean Smith and Rat Target. Let's give it him then. He needs taken down a, a peg or two, doesn't he? <laughs> Back down into the championship with his championship commentary, his championship life. Supposed to be a nice guy, you know. Yeah, I was. Um, I can't think about him without picturing his, I think it was his pro set card, showed him playing for Manchester City and he was wearing mismatched shirt and shorts and celebrating the goal. That does remind me, I, I keep um, having this one swirling around in my head, but yeah, the Panini, they, they can have a nomination. I had a look at the uh, the sticker album today, my son's sticker album. 642 stickers in that one to complete the album. Plus, there are two pages at the back after that, which accommodate about another 40-odd for transfers during the season. That's a lot of money. I've just, sorry, I've been distracted by Googling Andy Hinchcliffe. How much chin does one man need? That's too much. Too much chin. He seems to have grown into his chin a bit, actually. You can see now he's got older. I don't know if he's had a reduction. Or maybe he's learned to smile in a slightly less gormless my, way. I always had quite big ears as a child, but then I, my head grew into my ears. So <laughs> I, I feel his pain to an extent. So let's not pick on a man. Fair enough. Have you seen Gareth Bale's ears as a child? Mm. They're amazing. Worth looking up. Right, let's move on to the Andy Hughes Hero of the Week award with uh, nominations, please. Ilan. May we? He's broken the record. First under-21 goalkeeper to get eight clean sheets in a season. And he's done it 
just as he turns 21. So he's done well there. What, it's his birthday today. What were you doing on your 21st birthday? That's a good question, actually. should probably know that. Can you probably out somewhere shit. Well, yeah, I finished my final university exam on the day when I turned 21 at midnight. So by the time midnight came around and it was my birthday, I was absolutely shit-faced. Well, I can't remember. God, that's a sad life, isn't it? I can't remember anything I did on my 21st birthday. I was eating a huge Yorkshire pudding that had been made with Smarties in it. Ugh. Was that some sort of punishment? It, it seems was, weird. Um, there was a, a Yorkshire-themed party in my honour. Oh, and that was enough. one of the one of the treats on, on display. I don't remember many of the others. Smarties, are they made in Yorkshire? Nestle. Ah. York, isn't yeah. it? So I don't know if it was thought that through. I think it was um um it was a French person's thinking that what Yorkshire puddings lacked was a sweet to go with the savoury. And the easiest way to do that was to bang a load of uh, smarties into the batter. To be honest, a lot of people will have jam. It's a traditional like it was a starter or a pudding, wasn't it? Well, did you see what Alioski was eating at the yeah, weekend? Yeah, it was, he was, it was eating a, eggs, wasn't a it? A Yorkshire pudding full of eggs that had been sent to him by some posh hotel. That's, that's funny. That's like having a bread sandwich because Yorkshire puddings have eggs in them. But anyway, <laughs> none of us have kept eight clean sheets in the Premier League, had we, by our 21st birthday. That's, or right. went up for a, a corner, um, which was one of the underrated highlights of the, the Villa game. Melier sprinting upfield, standing next to the goalkeeper, and not having a clue what to do next. Richie said, described him as looking like a little lad lost in the Merrion Centre looking for his <laughs> mam, which was nice. Beautiful. Luke Ayling, who normally would write a vague reason on this prep sheet. but Now, I've just now that, is, that is beautiful, Michael, genuinely. It's just a picture. Look at that. Look at it. Flowing behind him. You've, he, caught, you've caught him mid-bounce there, haven't you? He needs to play like that all the time. Yeah. Imagine the Ayling flop with his hair unfurled around him like a big robe of hair. It's- I just think we have to put the explicit tags on this podcast, don't we, because of uh, the sexy talk that's going on now. Oof. You can use it to your advantage at a corner as well, potentially, if you can whip it into someone's face. It worked for Gabriel Batistuta <laughs> for hair. years, didn't it? <laughs> it? Yes, it did. I want to give a nomination to um, Urente for making it to uh, through two games in a week. Done good there, hasn't he? After it, his previous. He was good in them as well. But I think we can say definitively... He's not a disaster as a footballer, which helps. I like his, his no-look passing, like the one that he did to Roberts, where he looked over to the uh, to the right and then passed it to the left. Because it, it was starting to get to that point where, because he'd never played and he'd not, all these injuries, is it a waste of money? Is he over the hill? No, nope, played a couple of games. You know what? He's good. Good player. We should mention um, Dallas and Rafinha as well for their tributes to, uh, to people who've been lost in the last couple of weeks. Uh, poor old Calvin lost his nan, and then uh, there was Ronaldinho's mum as well, wasn't? It? And to have Leeds fan, uh, Leeds players, sorry, marking it, I think he's very, very nice. We'll have more of that, more of um, more love for Dallas on TSB Plus, actually, wasn't there? Doesn't want life without him. Apparently, poor, poor Ben, isn't it? Poor Ben, and um, Daniel described him as Cookstown's finest Leodensian, the new Milner, the new Maidley, which is quite a billing, but he's doing everything this season. We didn't nominate Hassan Hurtle as a villain, but him constantly talking about us as a nasty team should be contrasted with Dallas and Rafinha in the game against him. And it was also, um, Pat Bamford started the match by bringing out, it was like the the Pied Piper of iPads with all the mascots on iPads that he's given them. Yeah, Rory uh, pointed that one out, actually, yeah. And um, and that's nice. It, it, he could have just left it as he wrote the cheque for all those iPads that they got and left it there, but no. Did he buy these ones? Seems so. Why not? He earns too much money. He should be buying all the iPads. <laughs> Should be buying us iPads. I believe he was doing it to check up on the kids to make sure they hadn't sold them. 
<laughs> yeah, you still got it, have you? Well, yeah. I'll see him on the pitch then, will I? He'll be like, oh, shit. <laughs> and uh, Todd's nominated Patrick Bamford for clearing off the line and reacting to Melier's protest of being capable of saving it himself uh, with some top-shelf, fuck-off, I'm-the-man dis- dismissive swagger, rather. I mean, I'm 50-50 on that one because he did nearly kick Ilian's head off and the ball into the goal. So it, it could have been very wrong. Yeah, I mean, if he had kicked Ilian's head clean off his shoulders, that would have been a little bit disappointing for him just ahead of his uh, his 21st birthday. And even worse, we'd have had to have Casilla back in the nets. So as it was, it did turn out fine. I'd have, I'd have still stuck with Melia playing Bert Troutman style. <laughs> well, headless. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he lost his head. I know, but I know the players were tougher in those days, but... <laughs> I don't think he had his head kicked clean off in an FA Cup final. But Troutman, for the, you always have a go at me for outdated references. The, the 1957 <laughs> FA played, Cup played final. the last hour of the game with his head under his arm. <laughs> he did have a broken neck. Like he a, did. Like he a did. ghost stalking the Tower of London. <laughs> um, it was the, uh, the FA Cup final that Don Reavy won. He was in the team with him. The Reavy final. That day. Mm-hmm. Um, Graeme Soonis would advocate for a player playing on with a, <laughs> a severed head. Because he was a He'd hard, kicked it off. He was a double hard bastard. He, yeah, he would have been the guy who kicked it clean off his shoulders. But he's been, um, he's bigging us up actually. Was Sunes and Paul has pointed this out on the feedback, and he wasn't having any of uh, of Teller's cheating when he went down. Did he give an opinion on Urente? Don't think we heard from him. Did Let's move just, on. They just put, put them. It's like when you have to put blinkers on a horse. Don't don't look at that, Graham. <laughs> It'll only make you angry. Right then, um, hero of the week, please. I feel like it's um, Melier. Have you seen Luke Ayling's hair? I mean, I wrote at length about <laughs> Luke Ayling's hair in the match report, so you don't have to tell me about Luke Ayling's hair. But I didn't say much about Melier, so maybe it's me absorbing my guilt. Also, it's his birthday, and the the two highlights of the Villa game were Luke Ayling's hair, Melier for that corner. And he's um, showing how to come back from a bad game as well, because he was bad against Arsenal. The Part of the thing with Casilla was that he had a bad game and then the next game would come around and he'd do the same bad thing. And then there'd be a, he maybe would improve for like a week and then there'd be another mistake. Whereas Melier had a bad game against Arsenal. He's been pretty much flawless, I think, since then. And to widen it, it's not only Casilla that that happens to lots of goalkeepers. I was thinking of Alisson at Liverpool. He had one bad game and Klopp did his confident interviews as well. No, that, that won't happen to him again. Next game, absolutely <laughs> terrible. And De Gea was rubbish for game after game earlier in the season, wasn't he? So... It is a it's a mark of goalkeepers that they they get into those dips and they struggle to get out of them. Felix Viedvald still lost somewhere in the Yorkshire Dales walking his dogs. <laughs> Melier not affected. Just as well, and, and I, I do, and I the reason go and play up front. The reason why I asked about the um, the twenty first birthday as well is because I look back on it and I realise now I was an idiot at twenty. I'm, I mean, I'm still an idiot now, but just slightly less of an idiot or an idiot with more responsibility. Complete clown at twenty one. So he's doing all right with his life. I think what what I've lost from twenty one is the is the sort of will to do anything stupid. It's still I still have the ideas that are stupid, but equally I think oh, it's not worth bothering, is it? <laughs> it's too much. I'll have to clear up. <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's what happens afterwards. It's not the stupid thing itself. Is you start to learn that there are consequences. So Elan, well done, well done for not being an idiot. Our hero of the week. Congratulations and happy birthday as well. I genuinely hope you, whatever it may bring, have a good one. Yorkshire pudding full of chocolate. Just like a big croissant. A pan of chocolate. That's what they call it. A chocolate pain. <laughs> we should go before Moscow carries on shouting out the names of uh, international breadstuffs. If you want to listen ad-free to this podcast, get early access to the Match Ball. Check out our subscriber-only podcast, which is the Extra Ball. We've got more Brin Law coming for you later this week. Full digital access to the mag 
and a daily email with all the essential Leeds United news written by Moscow. TSB Plus is the place where you will find all that. Head to the squareball.net forward slash plus. We'll see you next time. Dupan, Duvan, Duposan. The Squareball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.